Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Living Room Logic. Welcome to another episode of Living Room Logic, but with a slight twist that we're recording this with video now. We've yes, we are. Re- we've reinvested some of our stuff into trying to make the podcast as engaging and as wide as possible. And, well, given that there's something big going on at the moment, we thought we'd throw out another episode on climate change because COP26 is going on, mm-hmm. which is a world leader summit all about climate change and trying to come to a reasonable understanding as to what, as a global community, we can do to combat climate change. Now, I have no expertise, you know, um, <laughs> none at all. Uh, I have plenty of fear, plenty of confusion, mm-hmm. plenty of... As we found out in the last episode yes, of climate change. And I have plenty of ideas which are consistently incorrect. But someone who doesn't not know things, Aiden Lang. Dr. Aiden Lang, it's so nice to do an episode where we're talking about something we actually understand. And by we... I mean him. So, Aiden. <laughs> Thank you very much for Aiden. introducing me about the person, the person of the two right now who knows what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, so this whole bonus episode came about because of this new, very important um, conference of parties, COP26, the 26th meeting of all of the world leaders, or most of them in the world, to talk about what's going on with climate change why they're having this meeting now is because just a couple of months ago, the main body on climate change research called the IPCC or the International Panel of on Climate Change, they came mm. out with this humongous report, a couple thousand pages. It is a monster. And we're going to talk about it page by page. No, just kidding. What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So the great thing about it is because policymakers don't have the time for that either to go through this two, three thousand page report. Mm. So what the IPCC have done is they've kind of turned this report into just a document that basically shows. Yeah, Andrew has it on his video as well. (laughs) This this, you know, uh, it's like a 40 page document. And I've just taken out the most important key figures and some key facts from it to show us where we are and where we're going so uh, let's let's start are you ready for this andrew no let's go (laughs) i am not ready the last to be fair the last climate change episode i came out a little settled and i expected Mm. to come out very drunk and very upset so let's go let's see if i come out this more settled than last time yeah so the way that they um do this uh, summary for policymakers is it's broken up into kind of two major sections it's like the present so like what has happened so far up to 2021 um in terms of climate change has the climate already changed have we already seen changes the answer is yes a lot and we'll get into that and then the second part is all about projections of the future and 
they have gotten better and better and better. Every single huge report they make, and now they start using these words like unequivocal. And mm. I'll give you some examples and facts of, of the current state of the climate right now. Um, this is their opening sentence of the report. They basically say, it is unequivocal that human influence has warmed the atmosphere, ocean, and land. Widespread and rapid changes in the atmosphere, ocean, cryosphere, and biosphere have occurred. So they they come out with, this is the first report where they come out with such confidence. Unequivocal has never been used in any of yeah. these reports before. It's usually like high likelihood, very yeah. high likelihood, stuff like that. Now it's unequivocal, okay? I'm going to give a couple kind of quick shot facts about some of the different things that are going on to do with climate change, and then we'll talk about them, okay? Yeah. So, up to date, increases in greenhouse gases since 1750 are unequivocally caused by human activities, which right now we're at 410 parts per million for CO2, up from uh, 280 parts per million in 1750. Um, so this is a crazy fact. CO2 concentrations in the atmosphere have never risen above 300 parts per million in the last 2 million years, except for the last 200 years up till now. So okay. it's really strange. It's very strange yeah. what's going on in terms of CO2. In terms of total global surface temperature, mm-hmm. um, the rise from 1850 to 2020 was one. 0.1 degrees Celsius, of which humans are accountable for 98% of that increase. Okay? So, since yeah, since then, we've actually already changed the climate. We're, we're actually in climate change right now. We've, we've already risen the temperature by a degree and a bit. Um, in terms of rainfall, um, rainfall over land has increased overall, though there are basically differences in there are extreme dry areas and extreme wet areas. So dry areas are getting even drier and wet areas are getting even wetter and they're getting the brunt of these kind of extreme rainfall events. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, humans are also the main driver of the global retreat in glaciers and sea ice and an increase in upper, upper ocean temperature and global mean sea level. So actually to focus on sea level, sea level rise was approximately 1.3 millimeters a year in the 1900s, and that's more than tripled today to nearly four okay. millimeters a year. So almost every single thing we look at, it has changed. Yeah. And it's directly because of a change in atmospheric CO2 and temperature. Okay. Um, and then the kind of last thing, the last bit of evidence they have, and they have 30 and 40 years of evidence for it, um, of working on this, is the global biosphere, which means everywhere in the world where there can be life, um, has shifted in line with global warming. And basically, climate zones have shifted poleward in the North and Southern Hemisphere, especially on land in the Northern Hemisphere. And that actually ties in with some stuff we talk about later as well. So, how was that? Are you still with me, Andrew? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm it's waiting good. for the uh, good part. I'm yeah, waiting for the good part. <laughs> waiting for the positive bits. <laughs> um, so the biggest key figures that they show is actually um they they look at they looked at um temperature over time and they made these fantastic models of of temperature in the past and right up to now 
And as I talked about in the last climate change episode, there's this graph that's pretty wiggly, but it stays around zero degrees of change. And then right in the last kind of 150 or 200 years, it just goes off the scale. It just shoots off. Mm. So they show this and they show that um, that's, you know, that's directly because of human influence um, and and, uh, that we've basically warmed the climate at a rate that is unprecedented in at least the last 2000 years. Um, And in fact, the last 200 years have been the warmest multi-century period in more than 100,000 years. So again, this is really weird what's going on right now. Yeah. Um, And then they kind of show this like second graph where they did something really cool. They they modeled what the Earth's temperature would have done over the last 2000 years if humans didn't change the atmosphere. Um, and it's really cool because the the model, well, it's it's an amalgamation of like thousands of models over thirty years. It just goes again. It's like flat but wiggly at zero degrees change. Yeah. And then as soon as you put in the human part, it starts trickling up, trickling up. And then so their model actually is really similar to observed temperature rise so that's how they can show that their models are really really good because they're pretty much bang on with what we actually end up seeing yeah Um, yeah yeah so the models are so so robust um and and so that's that's temperature but what's interesting is they also looked into um the different kind of like the chemical influences on the atmosphere like what things humans put into the atmosphere up till today and by far the most important one is co2 carbon dioxide um so that is the most important for an increase in temperature and there's another one called methane which we talked about in the last um episode and methane we we make a lot less of it but it's extremely more potent as a greenhouse gas but something interesting that they actually do is from breaking down all the different chemicals, they basically showed that there's actually some chemicals, Andrew, that have caused a net cooling in the atmosphere. No so way. there's things like sulfur dioxide and nitrogen oxide. These things are they come in the form of aerosols yeah. um, in cans and in uh, fridges and stuff like that. Uh, coolant in your car. All of these things actually cause a net like drop in temperature so they're actually fighting against the all of the things that are increasing the no temperature way. yeah it's really interesting so they're not just saying everything we put in the, to the atmosphere increases yeah. the temperature some things actually decrease and you would think that's a good thing but it's not because the things that decrease the temperature actually make the air really kind of full of dust and particles and kind of like gloomy and so that's why you get f- like smog in cities is because of these sort of aerosol particles and they kind of catch right. dust and they keep it on top of the city. Um, and that can is basically a health issue. It, it can okay. be really bad for people's lungs. So like someone could be like from this listening to this, they could be like, oh, my God, we just chucked, you know, a bunch of aerosols in the atmosphere. Job done. That and was exactly like, what my plan was about to be. I was right about to ask, <laughs> can we not just put like empty cans and destroy fridges and just shoot that stuff up to count? Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, I, I wish we yeah. could, but there's then different 
that just causes another whole set of problems. It just makes yeah. the atmosphere hard for us to actually breathe then. Yeah, so it's yeah. another and, issue. <laughs> and that that would not be good for the ecology of nature. Mm, no, I don't think so. I'd, I'd argue breathing is important. Yeah, as, breathing as can be. As a clueless be. person, I'm, that's, that's the, the height of my knowledge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving swiftly on, right, there's another really kind of interesting figure that they made, and they basically broke down the entire land part of the world into these regions and they they broke the world down into these like um these sextants these like areas um and there's 41 in total and they looked at like in every area is there an increase uh, uh not no agreement or a decrease in things like temperature rainfall and drought mm. and what is really interesting is that they found that if you look at this figure, it's really cool. It shows all of the regions except for four say that there's an increase in temperature. So it's just red. The whole world is just red. No way. In terms of extreme rainfall, it's most of the northern hemisphere, most of Europe and Russia and Asia get more rainfall. And pretty much the whole southern hemisphere, there's actually not enough data. But I reckon if we were able to get enough data, they would say something opposite. And, yeah. and we'll, we'll look into the projections and how that kind of informs that. Um, but then in terms of the droughts, they really focus on the Mediterranean and most of like um, Western and Southern Africa and South America have way more droughts now than they did, say, like 100 years ago. So these are already happening because of climate change. So, you know, you can you can kind of question, well, it's not happening to me. Well, yeah, it's not happening to you, but maybe you're in a place that is more mild. These things are kind of happening and are being seen all over the world. So there's just a huge amount of evidence now that we're in a time of where the climate has already changed. Yeah, because that, that was something that popped up to me earlier when you were saying, you were saying that this was the first time that they were saying, we're sure, yeah, we're certain. And I, I suppose the only thing, why now? What changed? Like the last one of these was what, five, ten years ago? Mm, How yeah, can so we it, was go nearly, it was nearly ten years ago. Um, the, the thing is, honestly, and it's in all of science, is that you need to get up into that like 99 to 100% probability of something happening before you can say something like it is certain it is and i think another term they use is virtually certain yeah um other than unequivocal but they're they're kind of the same thing yeah. um and so until now they just have been building 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 more and more and more data and actually the last 10 years of data because the fact that most of the world are, is has scientists now that are creating more data, this has been one of the most influential changes from the fifth assessment to the sixth one, which is the one that just came out. So that's why they just have way more data, 10 years mm. more, but it's actually like, you know, proportionately might maybe 20, 30% more data. And so yeah. that's, and they've been working, think about it, they've been working on these models and just making them better and better and better every single assessment they do. And they've been doing it since the 80s, since the, the yeah, pretty much since the 70s or 80s. So that's why. Yeah, that's cool. And they've been working their butts off. So um, then 
we talked about like the current state of where we are with climate change. Now the report kind of moves into their projections of the future. And in order for you to understand some of these things, um, they've basically kind of like done several projections in different what they call um, socio-political pathways. So different scenarios that human society might take kind of in general. So the there's kind of like a, a there's they they show on this key graph. It's probably the most important graph in the whole report. They show the projection of CO two and up until twenty one hundred. So, um, you know, several decades away from now, um, and they give five scenarios, and they show where the CO two levels will be and what the temperature will be by twenty one hundred, and. The worst case scenario, we go up to, we, we pump another about 130 gig of, gigatons of carbon, which is 130 billion tons more of carbon into the mm. atmosphere. Um, but that what that actually means for us is a three to six degrees warming by 2100. And like three degrees is pretty catastrophic. Six degrees is like, have you seen 2020? Have you seen that crappy movie? Um, it's it's like, it's hellish, basically. Yeah. It'd be very bad. Um, but that's the worst case scenario, okay? Um, so it's not like the Earth is just going to blow up at six degrees. It just, it would be really bad for pretty much all of society. Yeah. But there's actually about two scenarios that they give that are actually really good um and both of them drop below net zero emissions by about 20, one drops by about 2060 and the other one drops by about 2080 okay so you know and i think what's important about those is in the best case scenario the earth warms by between 0 0.9 and 1.8 degrees celsius and really, the government right now, the world, all world leaders are pretty much aiming for between one and a half and two degrees. Mm. So there is one scenario there where this is possible. The second one goes a little bit over that. And I think it ends up at, it says between, it's nearly two degrees, give or take two, two and a bit degrees. Um, and then the, the middle scenario again is... It's still not great. It's uh, two and a half degrees, nearly three degrees, but it's still better. And it's mm -hmm. still much better yeah. than, than those other two that are like, basically the, the worst two scenarios are just if we go crazy with emissions and we just actually keep increasing our production. Um, so those are, those are probably the most, that's probably the most important figure in the entire document because it basically shows there are, three different scenarios out of five where the world will 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 be different in the future but it will be manageable um so i think that's kind of a really hopeful thing for me uh that's what i take from this whole report is yeah. you know we're, we're basically saying if we just keep doing business as usual very bad things will happen if we don't yeah. if we actually take some action right now there's very legitimate ways that we can uh, make things better, you know? Yeah, and 
2060 and 2080 sounds a lot more reasonable than numbers you'd hear before. And mm. like, I remember hearing numbers like 10 years ago, maybe hearing, oh, if we go carbon neutral by 2030 or something like that. And mm. I was always a bit like, yeah, that would be great. Yeah. But how how do you do that on a logistical sense? You yeah. can't is it, turn is it the world over. Is it genuinely actually feasible? Yeah, but 2060 scale. or 2080, I feel like, mm. especially with the growth of technology in that time, it would surely get optimized and it would become more and more possible as time goes on. Would that yeah. be fair to say? It would be. And like the reality, Andrew, is that, you know, we're going to fall somewhere in between all of these. Yeah, uh, this is none of these are going to actualize themselves. None of them <clears> are going to actually happen it's we're gonna fall somewhere and it it's up to us where we land yeah and it's cool because it basically says we can land between 0.9 degrees or like six or seven so that's our that's our responsibility we got this huge range and now it's up to us to make a difference so the earth isn't just gonna increase by two degrees the warming will be not uniform everywhere in the world in fact Pretty much every single model suggests that the north of the northern hemisphere, like up in polar regions and subpolar regions, up near, say, Norway and up near Canada and and further north, that will get really damn hot, mm. really hot. So they think that that's going to actually be twice as hot as the average. So it might be four degrees hotter up there. And then in kind of um, mid latitudes, temperate regions, it won't be as bad. But that again is quite important because that's where one of our most important ice caps is. So, and it's the same for the Antarctic ice cap right in the South. And so if warming is most intense in those ice caps, then they're going to melt faster. Yeah. And we'll talk about what happens when they melt faster. (laughs) Um, But that's just important for people to know that they're, there will be some places that will actually potentially even cool uh, mm. over the next 100 years. Um, in the middle of the North Atlantic, there's a whole area of the North Atlantic that is cooling right now um, because of a completely different, weird regional effect of currents. But globally, you know, it, it, the, the whole Earth has increased in temperature and especially the Arctic region. Yeah. Um so and then if we actually kind of relate this to two other things as well projections of rainfall and of moisture content so rainfall is kind of like you can think of extreme rainfall means floods um extremely low moisture content is drought right and they kind of all of their models suggest that in terms of rainfall um again the most northern polar regions are going to get the most rain. And so most of northern Europe, most of North America, northern North America are going to get a serious amount of rain. Um, and another place that's that might surprise you is actually the entire Sahel region or the, the Sahara region, which is a desert right now. They actually mm-hmm. think that climate change is actually going to potentially benefit them with with insane amounts of rain now that could also actually be really bad because it could cause even more flash floods um which are very common there and because the soil is so compact and thin it just like hits the soil and goes downhill and uh, causes all sorts of really bad natural disasters again these two together show that like 
the majority of North America, Southern North America, and all of South America, and pretty much Australia, Southeast Asia, they all get really dry. And Southeast Asia is one of the most important places for food production. Mm. If you don't have food being produced in Southeast Asia, you cause problems all around the world. So they're really scared that in particular, because that's a hub of production in terms of agriculture in the world, that that will cause problems. Um, So if, you know, the more you warm, the more problems you will create in terms of drought. Okay. (laughs) Um, And and then they also kind of break this down into these, what they call 10 year events. It's a really cool example. It's a really cool way of explaining to people how this works. So, but say, for instance, you had an extreme heat wave event that occurred every 10 years in the 1800s. Okay. So anywhere yes. in the world, let's okay. just, you know, it could be anywhere. It's a hypothetical situation. Today, it now occurs because of the climate change that has already happened. One of those heat waves occurs three times every 10 years. Okay. Okay. If the earth increases its temperature by two degrees, these 10 year events will happen five to six times every 10 years. No way. And if the earth increases its average temperature by four degrees, you will have one of these 10 year events once a year. (laughs) So you, you have to think about it this way. It's like climate change doesn't happen as averages. It happens as extremes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you will, is unpleasant. It it will be, and it, it could get really, really bad. And they they kind of give similar examples of extreme flooding events and extreme drought events as well. Mm. Um. So you know the the take home here is that climate change won't just be oh it's a bit more more balmy here you know, <laughs> and and in some places like in Ireland for example we we're in a temperate climate. Or it's very mild winters and kind of cool summers. And, you know, it's not just going to be like, oh, it's, you know, now we have great summers. It's like we will actually have extreme rainfall events and flooding. And then we'll get extreme drought events um, and, and sh- water shortages. So it'll be felt in, in the extremes, not in the average is, yeah, is yeah. what I'm trying to say. Another really kind of important thing. And again, this is. They, they said they had to mention this because if policymakers don't make a move because of anything else, this will get them to move. Um, <laughs> it, the, the kind of page starts with human activities affect all the major climate system components, with some responding over decades and others over centuries. And they give examples of temperature, which we've already talked about. They talk about sea ice cover in the Arctic in September. Um, and in some of the scenarios, there won't be any sea ice in September. Um, yeah. Some of the worst scenarios in terms of ocean being the ocean becoming too acidic, um, especially in the worst two cases that happens. Um, and then the most the biggest hitter right now is sea level and their models for the higher projections. They couldn't rule out that the Earth's ocean um, sea level would rise by 15, up to 15 metres 
And that is because of the chance that if we just keep pumping more and more and more carbon into the atmosphere and we get up to five, six, seven degrees of an increase, that could potentially cause the Arctic and the Antarctic ice caps to melt. Yeah. And if they melt, you get all of that water that is frozen solid is now liquid and in the oceans. And I just couldn't even imagine, again, 15 meters increase. It just, it again sounds like doomsday. But that is, again, we have to add, like, the reason they're putting this in here is they're basically saying, guys, if we do nothing, and if we actually do worse in the future, we can see something like that really bad happening. So it's not, it's not to scare people, but it's just to be like, look, there is, there is a likelihood of of these things happening if we do nothing and if we just keep getting worse. So the thing I just talked about there where, you know, 15 meter rise in sea level by 2300, that's called a low likelihood outcome. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and this is just what they had to say about these things that are like, you know, they're very low likelihood, but we still can't rule them out. Yeah. Um, if we do very, very bad. So things like ice sheet collapse, abrupt ocean circulation changes, some compound extreme events. Compound extreme events are like having a drought and then a forest fire. What? So after, so you have a a terrible drought and then you actually have another natural disaster right after. And so two or more natural disasters at the same time is called a compound extreme event. So they actually, in the report, go into detail about like what events might happen together and those compound events will be more frequent. So again, big no-no. But they they basically can't rule them out and they are part of the whole risk assessment of this whole report that you need to put them in because they need to be there. You know, if that's not a reason to reduce our emissions, then I, I don't know what is. The last page of the report talks about something really interesting. It's just called like our remaining carbon budget. Yeah. And they figured out like how much carbon we've made since 1850. Um, And they're like, okay, this is how much we've made. So how much can we make to reach before we reach certain thresholds of temperature? And so they just do it in this cute little table. <laughs> it's like kind of, you know, I was just saying to some of my family like yesterday, I was like, they need to like cover this in like red ink and be like, look at this. This is so important <laughs> because it's like mind boggling. But the, the the kind of highest chance of us reaching 1.5 degrees is that we only have 300 gigatons of carbon left so 300 gigatons to before we reach 1.5 degrees celsius we have eight and a half years at our current production of co2 so but eight that's and a half eight and a half years so that's based on our current production and then before two degrees we have about 900 gigatons or 25 and a half years Okay, so 25 and a half years is it's around 2050, 2045 or something like that. Right. So that's that's why people are talking about two degrees by 2050, because it's actually in line with with our kind of current production. 
Yeah. I think that's maybe the most important thing of this whole report. Um, the future projection is maybe the second most, or if not the most, but this is kind of, for policymakers, this, I'm pretty sure this is the one of the last pages on the report. It's just like, right, this is, this is actually what you really need to look at. This is how much we have left. This is what we have to work with. That's pretty much it for the report, Andrew. Are, are you okay? <laughs> Where's the good part, Aiden? <laughs> Where's the good part? Do you had like one, one thing that I was like, oh, that's the optimistic. And it was just like, oh God, it's, it's so much more friendly to live in fantasy land and, yeah. and pretend times. Mm. But what's really important about what you were saying there is that this is the information being communicated to world leaders right now. World leaders are hearing all of this, aren't they? Yeah, so this is literally what they got back in August, and they're in COP26 delegating what the hell they're going to do right now. Yeah. Um, right up until, um, I think it's going on for about another week. And this is really important because they all know this now, that they have yeah. 25 and a half years before we go over that uh over that limit and each country i guess gets its chance to speak to the world and to yeah. say how climate change change is affecting them the thing that i talked about before that whole first half of the report saying that climate change has already affected us yeah um, you know that one degree of change actually turns up again in the form of these extreme events that have already affected people. And so like in island nations, in the South Pacific, places like Fiji are getting battered by storms and sea level rise is already kind of forcing some of the very small islands. They have to evacuate the islands. They, they're yeah. just getting swept away. This is already happening. And I think the most optimistic thing is coming from the COP I mean, I, I listened to Joe Biden's speech and he's totally with the picture and wants to do as much as he can. And I hope that he sticks to it. But having one of the, you know, the, one of the most powerful countries in the world on your side is not a bad thing. Pretty much all of the major nations in the world have already agreed that drastic action needs to be taken. And the amount of action that needs to be taken by each country and what they do will be completely different. Yeah. Or the, I think the biggest effects will happen to the first world um, in terms of our how we do things. And yeah. it might mean that things might get slightly more expensive or more convoluted to get something, mm. but it'll just mean that we do it in a way more sustainable way, in a way that it isn't pumping a bunch of carbon into the atmosphere. Maybe I'm mixing things up here, but I think it will also have a big effect on third world countries in how they build their economies and all of that. Because obviously first world countries got rich by burning carbon and yep. burning a lot of carbon. And third world countries would kind of look at that and develop their economy in a similar, similar way. Yeah. But now third world nations are caught between a, a rock and a hard place where to develop their economy, they can't take that route. I know. Because if they take that route, they are contributing to something that will come back to bite them harder. Mm. And if they don't take that route, 
they can't bring more wealth into their country. Yeah, so actually that's a really good point because it's something that I just forgot to mention there. You're you're talking about financial aid and that is really what a lot of the world nations are talking about right now. They're like, right, how much money do we have to give to these to the third world? We yeah. need to up it. We need to up it by, I think, like, um, the, the head of COP26, he's actually a financial advisor. Uh, I think that's what his, his background is in. And so he talks about it in terms of trillions. He says trillions is what we're going to need to give to developing nations yeah. so that they can actually use, they can kind of skip past the Industrial Revolution. Be- yeah. Because Europe did it. America yeah. did it. We 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 did a full on industrial revolution and we're still doing it. <laughs> yeah. And countries like India and China now are deep in the middle of their industrial revolution. So it's very difficult for them right now because yeah. they are some of the biggest polluters other than the United States and Europe. I think that is one of the best things that is going to come out of COP26. Not only is are there is there going to be an entire update of our targets because the the Paris Agreement back in 2015 was that I think it was a a target of it was a certain level by 2050 and it it's simply not enough actually yeah so they they have to up their commitments um by a quite a drastic amount and they will and so very cool I mean from an from an Irish perspective um which I think is kind of interesting because we are a first world nation but we actually have a massive primary and secondary sector like we've a massive agriculture sector and agriculture is one of the things that is going to be one of ireland's biggest issues to tackle because um some of the reports i've seen that um have, have been like look we're gonna have to think about or try and find a way to reduce our agricultural production by about 20 percent and what that actually means is uh, it's a huge problem for, you know, so many millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people, at least in Ireland, that are um, in agriculture and all of the industries sure. that come with it. And so I, I actually think what, again, in terms of Irish uh, intervention and mitigation of climate change is going to be in the form of like subsidies for agriculture. And so, for yeah. instance, you might have this huge industrial agricultural business and the Irish government will give them a certain amount of money to actually reduce their production. So that's what it's going to have to turn into. It's going to be, and yeah. they're going to be like, wait, what? You want to give us money so that we just make less? And you're going to be like, yes, because if you give them nothing, they just lose money. And for some very large and very small businesses, that can completely cripple them yeah. um, because they just they are just set up to make X amount of stuff. So that's what we're going to have to do in an Irish It's context. interesting. The game's changed. Yeah, it just... has. It has. Yeah. And I was just thinking there as well that like there's going to be new jobs coming out as well in the form of like green energy is going to just explode. Yeah. Electric cars and everything that's to do with green is yeah. going to get huge. And you're going to have a whole new sector of like climate change consultants. Yeah. So you're going to get this person who like comes into your business and is like, right, this is what you need to do to adapt to yeah. climate change in your country. Yeah. Uh, it just sounds crazy. <laughs> it just like, you know, 10, 20 years ago, people would laugh at you saying that. Of course. But now it's just 
it couldn't be more normal in the news and everything people are people are like okay all right you've talked about it enough <laughs> you've talked a lot and we we've heard you for so long that we're actually starting to believe you now <laughs> or at least the majority of people are and and so now now people are kind of okay to move they're okay to act somewhere al gore smiled <laughs> I just went, finally, finally. Exactly, like Al Gore, yeah. <laughs> Happy guy, well done, well done, dude. Yeah. He, he's been fighting the fight for very much longer time than, than I have. Well, that was great. And uh, I, it's really interesting to hear and to actually understand in layman's terms what they're hearing, what they're being advised, and also to be aware when they don't follow said advice so we know what's going on. I mm-hmm. think that's also very important to be informed for, again, when we're coming to a stage of voting for people. I'd much prefer to be in a situation where I have heard what they've been told as opposed to what they're saying they're going to do and see if it matches. So this has been really enlightening. Thank you so much, Aiden. Thanks for giving us all a bit of cop on. Hang in there and just, yeah, see see what the government's doing over the next couple of years. Hopefully they do good things. And if not, we'll have something to say about it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the five-year review that we start doing for these things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're like, oh no, or yes. Yeah. (laughs) And we'll see you then. (laughs) This is the end of the podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time. If you're feeling generous... And you're not completely skinned Why don't you give us some of your money Join our Patreon Join our Patreon Join our Patreon Join our Patreon Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.